Today we've got Tessa from Hubbub on the show. She works for a charity that creates environmental campaigns with a difference. Tessa, welcome to the Green Element podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to finding out more about Hubbub and what you guys are doing and how you are changing the world that we know it. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So tell us a bit about your business and what your purpose is and who you work with. Mm, so first thing to say that Hubbub is a charity um, and we create quite positive, playful environmental campaigns. Um, and we really kind of seek to inspire people to make healthier, greener choices in their lives. Uh, we started in 2014, really with the ambition of engaging a mainstream audience with environmental issues and largely by not talking about the environment. Um, we often find that environmentalism and kind of living quite a normal life are pitted against one another in common narratives. And people tend to feel that if they want to do something good for the planet, then they have to give up their cars or their holidays or go and live in the woods. Um, so for us, it's very kind of key to get cut through to talk about things that are really relevant to mm. day to day. Um, so we theme our work around food, fashion, homes and neighbourhoods and these form the basis of our hubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of kind of how we go about that and who we work with, um, I mean, we really kind of appreciate that reaching a mainstream audience means having kind of the right partners um, and where possible we use businesses as kind of use their reach as a force for good and kind of tap into their audiences with timely relevant messages. Um, so we very much talk about kind of the environmental actions in terms of benefits to the individual. So that might be, you know, you can save money if you're not reducing this food or you can come along to this workshop and learn new skills. Um, and that's not to say that we ignore the environmental benefits, but often use them to kind of enforce the message as opposed to being a primary motivator. Okay. And you and you work with organisations and the general public, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you know, collaboration and co-design are quite central to our principles. Um, and I think the scale of climate change means that we need action taking every level. Mm. Um, and that organisations, governments, individuals, all need to pull together. We're a small organisation, we can't change the world on our own. So... Said we, you know, we know that brands have a huge potential to shape the thoughts and actions of their following, and so kind of where possible, we try and time them. But we also work a lot with community groups, academic partners, local authorities, um, individuals, universities, you name it. I think it's it depends on the campaign and our ambitions, and then we try and find the right strategic partners to bring on board with knowledge and reach and what would you say your um charity superpower is i think uh well i would say that our charity superpower is finding the right message and action for the right audience um so that kind of doing the right thing for the environment at that point is compelling but also quite simple um, and so for us, we feel it's about having authentic, timely conversations that people can identify with. Um, we tend to, I guess, what we, what we are good at, I'd like to say, is um, kind of finding eye-catching, kind of fun communication methods, whether that's video, art, installation, and then supporting these with a range of 
nudge techniques um, and then really trying to do what we can to take that kind of nudge towards the kind of think so that people then begin to feel that doing the right thing can be for them and it becomes part of their decision making process. Okay and do you find um, with the different campaigns that you run there is a difference between general public and organisations even though the general public work in the organisations you know so I'm just curious because they're kind of the same people aren't they but do you yeah. find it's yeah unique to do different things yeah I mean we do do a lot of um employee engagement um and I think so which which is interesting um so when you're working with these organizations thinking yeah it starts first at home um and the idea is that messaging is kind of aspirational enough that everyone can get on board with it um so i hope does, does that answer your question <laughs> yeah it does i just um and i guess it comes down to the fact that within an organization you sit within a structure and then general public don't really sit within a structure do they they um they they are their own structure as it were on trying to be more environmental so i'm thinking about your um cigarette mm. um campaign that you had on the streets in central london and um that would be very different to say your fishing boats that grant thornton use to pick up litter in the thames i mean it's a different psyche isn't it and it must be really interesting to see that different um having to deal with the same consequences i.e reducing environmental impact but in different ways Mm, absolutely and I think that's that's what's key about finding the right message for the right person so with the ballot bin uh, that you were referring to so we were trying to reduce littering on Villiers Street between Charing Cross and Embankment um, back in 2014 and we're trialing a range of different things to see what would bring the kind of litter countdown um, and we just kind of took a step back and thought okay well who who are the biggest causes of litterers what are they throwing away and where are they and it was young drunk men outside the pub um, so you then you think okay well what are they interested in and it's the time of the Euros you think football um, and that kind of led us to develop a, a ballot bin so you have your cigarette and then once you've got the, the butt instead of throwing it on the floor actually in front of you um is a bright yellow voting bin so you can and it says who's the best player in the world ronaldo or messi you pop it in and you've you voted and you're off um who won who won um at the time i think yeah good question um messi was 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 it <laughs> <laughs> Not that full of football, to be honest with you. Mm. But, um, yeah. Um, how do you? How do you? Um, and you've you've talked about this a bit about engaging um, your. You know, they're not really staff, suppliers, or customers. I guess they're customers for the most part, aren't they? Um, mm. How do you? How do you engage them? How do you come up with campaigns? What sort of you know? Tell us. Talk us through the process of what um what you do yeah okay well i think it's what's quite crucial is when trying to tap into people's immediate concerns and thinking about what makes them tick um you know you also need to think about some of the external forces that are 
that we're playing, kind of shaping the stories that we're telling ourselves about in the world um, and also kind of setting the priorities for the day so as you can see with David Attenborough and Blue Planet we've suddenly got a huge um, Ferrari around plastics that wasn't, wasn't really here a year ago um, and so suddenly you know that's that's much more compelling um, to businesses but also to um, householders every man on the street as well um, so I think when, when we go about it, it's very much about kind of defining what is the problem um, and then kind of, yeah, who, who are we looking at? So quite, quite recently, um, I, I lead on our food work here at Abub and one of the things that we've, um, you know, there's no two ways about it, we really need to reduce the amount of meat that we're eating. Um, so this is a kind of gigantuan problem and meat eating is so personal to people um, and you know it's deeply ingrained in their identity and their culture and everyone's got a slightly different stance and so it's then thinking okay well how how are we going to make an impact and for us the response was to be really highly targeted so thinking okay well who who are the largest consumers of meats and kind of why and how can we work with the external forces at play so we targeted kind of young gym going men who were very much trying to conform to uh, a muscular ideal um, but also for them you know protein is a real buzzword and a driver and for them it means being kind of lean and fit and so for us we'd also done I mean we base all of our campaigns on research and insights everything will start with a big research period as well um, and what we'd found from our research, which was partnership with the University of Southampton, um, was that people are really not very savvy to where plant-based protein is found. So we thought for the, the guys that we we're working with, we set them a challenge to halve their meat, um, the, halve their meat consumption and replace that with plant-based proteins. And um, so within that, you know, it was very specific was quite measurable and we then provided them with the support that they'd need to um, introduce plant-based proteins into their diet so recipes and meal plans and we helped them measure it um, so we gave them all kind of garments so they could see how their health improved and we gave them all body composition analysis at the beginning and sat them down with a nutritional practitioner so I think that support package really worked to incentivize them to take part but then once they got on board with it and they could see that they were feeling better and actually um they were eating, it actually led them to eat more vegetables in the round and they had all of these kind of positive repercussions for their health and well-being. Um, so that kind of spurred them on. So we had a two month challenge period and then after two months again, 80% of people had carried on uh, significantly reducing their, their meat intake. So I, think, I hope that kind of provides an example of how we kind of work through things and how it's finding the right message, but then that support mechanism to foster long-term behavior change. Out of curiosity, I mean, when did when did you do when did you do that? Uh, we started it in March, ended it in May, um, and released the results. Will you do a follow up to find out of those people how many people are eating, say, um, meat or following the program a year on or something like that? Yeah, very much so. We're still in close contact with them, so we did a two month follow up, but I think right. a year um, a year would be really interesting. So now we're looking, mm. think, okay, well, how can we 
how can we take this to a wider audience? You know, what are you going to do? Um, you know, can you do men and women together? And I think what was really the unexpected within this was that the challenge led um, our guys to do a kind of me MOT. So they started drinking more water. They were diversifying their diets. They were saying they were sleeping better. They were feeling better. They were getting to know <laughs> colleagues better. So suddenly you think, okay, well, this is a really interesting thing for employee well-being. Mm. And, you know, do businesses want to work with us to support their colleagues and employees to kind of have healthier, more sustainable lifestyles with kind of benefits for their well-being and productivity? So all of all these things, it's very, yeah, interested and interesting unexpected outcomes, which also have, you know, key environmental benefits. Yeah. So, okay. So when it comes to running... Um, an ethical and sustainable charity like yourselves. Um, what would you say has been the biggest struggle so far? I mean, can you tell us a bit about how you've overcome it? Yeah, I think that the hardest part is really ensuring that your values stick, even when times are quite difficult financially. It can sometimes be tempting to follow the money, even though it might take you away from the core purpose. Um, so I think we've really found that though it can be nerve-wracking it is important to kind of hold your nerve and stick to your core principles which um we're all you know we're all very culturally um on board with and you know every staff member knows what they are mm. we just really try to plan ahead as much as we can which is difficult um <laughs> in the current pre-brexit landscape um and just always try and be as transparent as possible as we can with employees and partners mm. okay if you could offer one piece of advice to our listeners, which could help them with their purpose, what would that be? Um, I think that would really be to agree your values up front and stick to them through thick and thin. Um, really the best way to do this is kind of creating a narrative that reinforces those values to ensure that they are really repeatedly shared with employees. Um, and, you know, storytelling is key within that but kind of just shaping an aligned vision really within the hubbub team so that we all understand what the bigger goal is do you um with because you are really all about behavior change aren't you as an organization would that be fair to say yeah absolutely environmental um, and i wonder if there's a piece around values in behavior change and um, the values that people hold on uh, work that they do in organisations. I'm just, I, I'm kind of, I'm thinking about it from a kind of a selfish point of view, but of we, how do organisations want to become more, why do organisations want to become more environmental? And it's something that's talked about a lot is, you know, and it is a mixture of, everything but that comes down a lot of it comes down to the values of that organization and mm. um, in order to make or in help ensure more organizations become more environmental then it that would be a part of it would be the values and i'm just wondering if there's a piece around that i think that's really it and i think it's having the values and making sure that those values are really embedded within the organization and you know it's yeah it's, um if you're if you're looking at it from a kind of 
brand perspective, then it comes back to that level of kind of authenticity, doesn't it? So yeah. we ran a three-year campaign with IKEA called Live Lagom, which is uh, Lagom is a Swedish word for um, for, for balance. Um, I guess in, in Swedish, it's it can be quite uh, puritanical, but um, I think with the alliteration and tying in with the trends of kind of mindfulness and decluttering it it really struck a chord with the group that we were working with and actually people saw it as not denying yourself what you love but not taking more than you need and we worked with IKEA kind of the sustainability team but also IKEA co-workers who mm. were employees who were all, you know from all levels of the business you know they might be driving the truck in a distribution warehouse they might be on the shop floor they might be in marketing they might be working in the ikea restaurant and we trained those guys up to be um what we called live Legon leaders so they were champions for um the project which was very much about how can you live more sustainably at home through reducing water energy reducing mm. waste etc quite basic things but it was one bringing them on board with the story and actually being able to say that ikea walks the talk and they have a people planet positive sustainability strategy um and this is but actually this is how it works for you in your day-to-day -day life and you're creating a better world for your children and that you know without having to go and live in the woods as kind of alluded to earlier and i think it's that sense of everyone seeing the value in it at each level mm. okay when it comes to reducing your um own environmental impact within Hubbard and um, the carbon footprint of the charity, what would you say your biggest challenge or frustration was or is? Yeah, I think it's we, our office is in Somerset House, um, so a wonderful building in central London that to be fair does quite a lot um, to in terms of environmental management um unfortunately we do have a kind of lack of food waste bins um but we have a kind of some set house environmental committee so there's a few different things that are being moved through at the moment so um they're starting wormeries which is exciting <laughs> I <like it. laughs> but you know there is yeah, there, there, there are limits on it's It's like we're renters, you know, and I think that's what's difficult, isn't it? If you live in rented accommodation, you think, oh, well, I wouldn't be able to get solar panels or I can't do this or I can't do this. And so I guess we do have frustrations because we don't have full autonomy over what we can do with our premises. But you are the clients as well. That's what we tell our clients is you, you have some kind of... Um, it's hard though. It is really hard. And it's, it's a question that a lot of smaller organisations, it's not so much that they struggle with the answer, but it's more, what can we do? And we talked about this um, before, and it's doing as much as you possibly can is as much as you can do. Mm. I remember a client of ours, a very small client, they, were, they couldn't work out whether it was by a second-hand colour photocopier or a new one. And they were going backwards and forwards. They did life cycle analysis. They did all this stuff. And they were like, oh, we can't work out which one's better because the newer ones are more energy efficient and better. The older ones aren't. And my answer to them was, you're kind of doing it. You've already answered the question, haven't you? The fact that you're thinking about it means that you're already becoming more environmental. And it's, it's that process, isn't it, of trying to 
be more green is almost as good as it's not almost as good but it is it's a part of that process yeah i that's a brilliant example absolutely and i think as i say as kind of all the tenants coming together and taking part in this kind of committee has led to a huge amount of change and so i think we have all collectively raised the bar so coffee cup granules are coming from the restaurants and being used to grow mushrooms which are then provided back to the restaurants <laughs> coffee cup recycling has been set up quite recently off the back of a hubbub campaign uh, where we set up the infrastructure of coffee cup recycling in the square mile of london um so yeah there's there's all sorts of things happening and i think we're really uh i guess fortuitous to be surrounded by kind of other like-minded tenants but I think as you say it's just starting that conversation and thinking yeah. thinking that you have some some power to change things. What well, is there any advice or learning that you'd like to share with anyone listening to this um, podcast maybe take us through a campaign that really stands out in your mind and um, what you've taken from it maybe personally or as an organisation? Well, I think as, as an organisation, um, and I guess this kind of comes to life in our campaigns, so it's kind of following the principles of being a lean startup. So we very much seek to gain insight, learn fast um, and cheaply, and then refine that quite rapidly, and then scale up the successful elements, um, and you know, then hope that this goes goes well, and then give them away so they can go and have a life of their own. So, I think it's just to draw back to the example of Meet Your Match, the the campaign with the the men in the gym. It's you know doing that huge research piece um, with academic partners, sitting with that and thinking, okay, well, how can we how can we take this into a behaviour change campaign? Doing some quick sense check pilots like like this one um and then now we'll we'll refine it and we'll try and take it to other organizations and other audiences but also using kind of social media and the media um to get the message out there as much as we can and that comes back down to finding the right kind of hook at the right time whether that's plastics or pumpkins at halloween um and um yeah this i think this has worked well for us on an organizational level but also for each of our campaigns. Would you say the media is becoming more receptive now um, to environmental matters? I think so, yes. Um, mm. I'm, if, if, if there's a positive story as well, um, mm. I think that's key. Do you think the general public are becoming more receptive to environmental matters? Ooh, good question. I mean, <laughs> there's depending which survey you read, I think actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but from your own experience. From my own experience. <laughs> yeah, I, well, again, I think it's if, you know, if you can say here is something that you can do today off the back of it um, that's really simple so that people don't feel fatalistic um, and that they do feel empowered to get involved, whether, you know, you can bring your own coffee cup um, and that will contribute hugely towards this mountain um but also you'll save 50p at coffee shop x at the same time then people are on board you know and it's small incremental things but it does then as you say pave the way for that future decision making where they're faced with their printers and suddenly they realize that 
these things matter to them and that's who they are and they can be an environmentalist without feeling that they're a hippie or mm. yeah are you um you've got a really good campaign at the moment in leeds haven't you mm. um, leeds by example it's brilliant i love that and when i saw it i was like that's so cool <laughs> could you tell us a bit about what you're doing there yeah sure so um we're working with the city of Leeds um, to see what we can do to um, reduce um, single-use plastics, but kind of or increase recycling disposables on the go. So we're such a, a transient society now, specifically with food consumption. So we've got um, council, businesses, universities on board, and we're just piloting a range of different fun things um, to see, you know, is it kind of a bubble bin or, you know, what can you do in terms of installations, fun poster campaigns, bin messaging. Yeah, just playing around with a number of different things to see what works with the ambition that we can get other towns and cities to take take those um, learnings on board and try them themselves. And then finally, um, organisations, because obviously this podcast is um, also aimed at either business owners or people that work in organisations that want to be more environmental. Um, I know one of my team members went on a boat with Grant Thornton, a client of ours, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, That's been really popular, hasn't it? That has been really popular. So, um, yes, we have uh, Plastic Fishing, um, which is open to, um, yeah, any organisation to do a kind of away day, uh, which I think really helps people to get to grips with the issue of kind of marine plastics in the most fun way by going out on the Thames with a fishing nets um, <laughs> and seeing what you can find and I think it's connecting that dot between oh I've carelessly dropped my bottle on the floor um, we're in central London before you know it the wind blows and it's in, it's in the Thames and before you know it you know it's out in the sea and um, yeah it's, it's a great kind of fun team building activity that's supported by a really nice kind of introduction to the issue but really um, gets everyone stuck in with plastic out of the Thames on what I should say is polymer um, a plastic boat made from um, recycled plastic. Brilliant and I think are you are you running a competition of giving giving it away is that right? No. Um, no. Perhaps you never know things things move fast uh, hubbub um, and you know, we're a, <laughs> a busy team. That may I may have missed that one. Um, <laughs> I usually, me that's gets everything wrong, so don't want, um, just to completely ignore that. <laughs> um, but I, what I would say is that um, any organisation probably the first thing to do is sign up to our mailing list, um, and we also have a blog, and um, yeah, it's a great way to kind of keep on top of our campaigns and learn how you could be involved. Because, yeah, we have um, very open to partnering on campaigns, exploring new problems, or doing a range of different employee engagement initiatives from food to plastic fishing. Brilliant. So um, you've just touched upon this. How can we learn about what you do more, um, what your website? We'll be putting all the links on the um, show notes as well. 
Great. Well, I think go to hubbub.org.uk and sign up to the mailing list there. You'll um, yeah, be kept in the know with all of our campaigns and opportunities. Brilliant. Thank you so much today, Tessa, for um, this. It's been really interesting listening to what you're doing at Hubbub. And um, yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Thanks so much for listening. We created this podcast for you. So we'd really appreciate any feedback you want to give us. You can do that by rating and reviewing on your favourite podcast or for iTunes, visit www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash Apple. If you'd like to keep in touch, then we invite you to join our free Facebook community, which is everything to do with sustainable and ethical business. Lots of daily conversations, themes and great ideas a really great place to work and network with like-minded individuals. If you open Facebook and search for The Green Element, hit the group search function, we will let you right in. All of the show notes, any links, any references to the, on this podcast will be featured on our website, greenelement.co.uk. As a special thank you for listening, please head over to www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018 and you can pick up a free guide on how to green up and environmentalise your business or organisation. That's greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018. Finally, I would like to thank Ben Chatwin for writing the fantastic opening music. He is an amazing artist with a phenomenal following. It was a privilege he said yes to even write it for us. We look forward to seeing you next week and hope you have a wonderful day.